Welcome to the Midland Seventh-day Adventist Church. We hope our broadcast will bless you. Today's scripture reading is found in the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, verse 8. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am. Send me. Well, happy Sabbath, guys. I don't know if you guys pay attention to the first hymn we, we sing today. There was one thing. I sang this, this, uh, this uh, hymn many times before, but that line jumped to me now. Like, uh, it says something like, uh, even if I don't uh, speak the language of angels, or if... Uh, I don't talk like a prophet or something like that. I can still talk about God's love. And that's what I came here to do. Because I'm sure I don't speak the language of angels. And I don't speak like a prophet too. So what's left for me is to tell you guys about God's love. And before we open the Bible to dive deep in a story that's very, very special for me. Uh, especially in the context of baptism. And that story comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 6. We're going to read the verses 1 to 8. I need to ask you guys to bow our heads once more so we can invite the Holy Spirit to be with us today. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, thank you so much for another day of, of our lives. Another day, another day of opportunities to walk with you. Another day of opportunities for reconciliation. Another day of opportunities for us to fully surrender to you and to allow our lives to be guided by you. As we dive deep on scripture today to learn about more about your love, about your grace, about your forgiveness, about new beginnings, we ask you, dear Lord, to... Give us your spirit, the same spirit that uh, inspired the prophets. May it enlighten our minds and prepare our hearts to hear what you want us to hear and also to take hold and put in practice on our lives. Bless each one of us that are here on this house of worship today and also those that are watching through the internet. That's what we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Alrighty. The book of Isaiah, it's one of the most well-written books on the, old, on the whole Old Testament. Like, the Hebrew of this book is the most elaborate. It's like the most beautiful. He was very well prepared. Isaiah was not as small potatoes. He was from a royal lineage. He was in line for the throne. That's probably one, why one of his uh, relatives got him killed. Uh, because those guys, they tend to wipe up the competition. Not only that, he had the longest prophetic ministry of our scripture. He was a prophet for over 52 years. He, and he was heard in both the kingdoms of Israel and the kingdom of Judah. 
So he had a very wide uh, ministry, wide scope, and uh, he was very well respected because of his education, because of his royal lineage. And that's the context of uh, the episode of today. That was on the beginning of his ministry, when he was called to be a prophet, when he was called to serve the Lord. Uh, Isaiah 6 verse 1 reads, in the, year of the, in the year of the king that the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Can you imagine the scene? He saw God on his throne, above everything else. And uh, he saw what? The train of his robe filling the temple. What's the train of his robe? What's the train of a robe? We don't use a lot of those those days. By back on the day, like uh, princes, kings, important people, they would have like a, and their robes, a train that would go longer. And the longer it was, more important. Today, we may only see those in weddings. Like I just had a, my daughter's wedding. She had a, like a small train. Like so, there's a small leftover like walking as she walk behind her. But uh, like uh, I saw one picture a long time ago, uh, when uh, Prince Charles and Prince Diana got married, like the train of her robe went all the way from the altar to the carriage on the parking lot. So she was walking and the train did, like was there. Why? Because she was important. That's what means. And here, how God, God's, uh, how God is described the train of his robe is so big that fills the whole temple. Meaning that he is like highest than anybody can ever be. And uh, verse 2 adds up to the picture. It says, above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. Those were the honor guard of God that would minister before him. And he was so exalted that even then, even they, being like angelic beings, could not really withstand the full glory of what they were saying. That's why they had the, some of their wings covering their face. Other two covering the rest of the body. So like, and with the other two that were left, they would fly. And uh, what they say is kind of noteworthy. Uh, verse 3. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. I need some help from my, from you, since you are native English speakers. What holy means? Very special, revered. What else? 
without sin, pure, yeah, it's all that. Set aside, like uh, he's kind of different from the rest. That's actually the literal meaning of the word used here. Like it's something that's uh, from a different matter than all of us together. So, and uh, one thing that we lose, in, not in translation, but in culture, it's like that uh, Hebrew, uh, they don't have uh, a particle that will make something big. So like, for example, Bible, big Bible. Hebrew doesn't have that. The way that they used to uh, sh- uh, show how things are exalted is repetition. So like, if I say, I fell on a pit, people, okay, normal, anybody can fall on a pit, like, you're right, get over it. But if I say, if I say with that Hebrew mentality, I fell in a pit pit, that means that that pit was deeper than usual, people may get, wow, are you okay? But if I say like, I fell in a pit pit pit, people even wonder, why you still alive? Because it's like a bottomless thing. It's something like beyond imagination. So that's what he's saying here. That God is everything you guys said. But beyond even what we can phantom to describe. That's why they repeated three times. Because it's like so beyond everything else. And that's why his glory fills the whole earth. And verse 4 is kind of picturesque. It says, and the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of who cried out and the house was filled with smoke. So it's like a scene that's like, like I don't have adjectives to describe. It's such an amazing scene. And then Isaiah said something. Verse 5. So I said, Woe's, woe is me. For I'm undone, because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people with unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. That's something that always gets my attention. Because every time we have a real contact with God, when we see like Isaiah saw him, face to face that should bring that same type of awe like whoa me look at for example at Abraham on that episode that he receives three angels that were like actually he received God and two angels that then were sent to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah when he realized that one of the three was God what he says sorry God I'm just dust and ashes you do what you want to do. Like that's the, that's the feeling. We feel our unworthiness. And uh, that's the same with Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, John the Revelator. All of those people, when they, fear, when they face God, they faint. They, oh, I'm going to die. Because they feel, although they have the best credentials, as I mentioned, uh, Isaiah was not a small potato. If he was living today, 
he was probably one of the directors on the general conference or something like that uh very well respected royal line and everything else he used to rebuke people just a few chapters before because they were doing things wrong and then he faces god and he feels man i'm not as good as i thought because he's better and that's the very core of the gospel like uh, we can resume the gospel in one phrase i am a sinner and a sinful person and my god is holy and he is my savior that's the whole gospel resumed in this picture yes i'm grace filled yes i was forgiven yes i tried to put jesus on the center of my life but the thing that bothers me and probably should bother all of you is that we are still humans and we still have our urges we still although as paul says that he wanted to do everything that was right but he only could do what was wrong so that means that nobody here is perfect even the holiest man that ever lived when compared to god is just like abraham claim uh ashes nothing more why i'm saying that because sometimes what plagues christianity what i think is the biggest problem that we have as a church and i'm not talking about midland church only i'm not talking about the seventh day adventist church i'm talking about the whole christianity of today is that we lost sight of who god is and because we lost sight of who god is because we lost sight of his wholeness because we lost sight that he's more exalted than anything here on this earth we kind of water down what the gospel is uh that's why it's important for us to have our theology straight because when we know who god is it help us to remember who we are put us back to our place sometimes i feel like uh that we are somebody that's been rescued from a pool like uh when i was i don't even remember how old i was i fell on a on a, on a pool on a in a in a club and i started to drown i passed out the next thing i remember was out there somebody had rescued me did any of you already saw anybody being rescued from like being drowning no like so jerry let me pick on you the guy that was rescued did he as soon he wakes up or if he like as soon he is rescued that did he say oh i'm so awesome is that what he said exactly he said thank thank you for rescuing me because i'm dying but sometimes uh christianity today we had uh, we have that awesomeness we think we are it and uh like uh, a person that is being rescued and we are out drowning or rescue is jesus doesn't come out of the water saying i'm awesome no it says woe me thank you for your forgiveness thank you for having rescued me and uh, the problem is that uh 
And again, I'm not talking about any one of you or this church in particular. I'm talking about all of us. Gospel truth is about that Jesus is righteous. And by him, I can get transformed day by day. But that work will never be completed until he comes again. Until we go and spend eternity with him. The problem is that Christianity, instead of being all about Jesus, is all about me. Me, 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 me. It's like me righteous, me blessed, me good, me, 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 me. And that's not Christianity. That's self-centeredness. And uh, sometimes we may not look ourselves as that. But if we have, like if we are that kind of person that looks to others, see all the problems, but bring no solutions, the only, that person that only likes to criticize and does not bring anything to the table, we are falling on that same pit. When we start to think that grace is one way, grace is just for me, not for the other. I cannot give to the other the same grace I expect to receive. Something's wrong. We are falling on that pit. When we have that attitude of that I'm better than thou, that's a misconception. When we live our lives trying to cover up our mistakes and never confessing, and I could go on. The list is big, but I don't want to waste your time. Why? Because how boils to that we have to have an encounter with Jesus in a daily basis. Otherwise, I'm going to think I'm better than you guys. I'm going to think that uh, God can forgive me for my most aggravious sins. But when you do like a little thing, we flip the gospel around. And Isaiah lays out there when he says, woe me, because I saw the Lord. And, but every time I act in the way I just described it, I feel later, at the end of the day when I'm thinking, God, please forgive me because I just forgot who you are. And I was thinking it was it. And uh, if I ever act like that with you guys, please bring me back to my senses. Why? Because the pattern on the scripture is very clear. Like, let's speak on Peter, for example. When Peter saw Jesus, he was with him for a little bit. Then Jesus did his, his miracles of like the multiplication of the fish over there. Like the, his net was full. Then we realize, oh, he is God, I'm not. What he said? Get away from me. I'm a sinner. Uh, so, that should be the pattern of our life. My sinfulness, His holiness. When I, we get confronted and we meet Jesus daily, on our morning especially, then we recognize our one worthiness. And uh, when we see that, then we ask for mercy and we can allow God's grace to enter 
on our life and to change us from what we used to be to what he wants us to be. And uh, as we live that life of gratitude by having that experience over and over and over and over, we become changed and our life becomes different. We become a life that's attractive. People will feel attracted to Jesus because they see Jesus on you. And they see that although you may still sinful, although you may still do mistakes, they see Jesus working on you and through you every day as you surrender more and more. It, that experience of coming back to Jesus every day makes our minds alive and gives, brings new life to our spiritual journey. I want to share something from the book Faith I Live By. It's a devotional by Ellen White, page 190. But before I go there, I want to get to the end of the story, how the story ends. When, uh, on verse 6, when he says, Woe me, I'm a sinner. Sorry, God. I'm not sorry for all my mistakes. What God does, verse 6. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with uh, tongues from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away, or your, and your sin is purged. That's the experience that God wants us to have in a daily basis. Because only then we can hear God's voice and we can accept his invitation to serve him. Now comes the quote. Faith I live by, page 190. Isaiah had denounced the sin of others. But now he sees himself exposed to the same condemnation he, ha he had pronounced upon them. See the seriousness of this? He had been satisfied with a cold, lifeless ceremony in his worship of God. He had not know this until the vision was given to him of the Lord. How little now how little now appeared his wisdom and talents as he looked upon the sacredness and majesty of the sanctuary. That was a humbling experience, a transforming experience to him. And that's a, the same experience we should seek daily. We have to seek that daily encounter with Jesus. So he can transform us day by day with his awesomeness. Only when we see God and his true light is that we are prepared for his service. That's why the, the portion of scripture that I'm sharing today finishes. Verse 8. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Who shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I said, here I am, send me. God is calling each one of us to do enormous things for him. And sometimes we got caught up, caught up, caught up with, uh, we got entangled with the me. And we forget we are all about Jesus. And so my call for you this morning is like 
for you to have an encounter with God. For you to seek God, show me your face. Pray. And I'm not kidding. Pray. He may not ever show your fa- his face to you, but he at least will give as you uh, look for him on your mornings, on your time alone with him. As you read your Bible, he will show you. He, he will show you who he is. April, some, at some time ago, she had one of those encounters and she, whoa me. And that's why she decided to hit the reset button on her life and start a new beginning with God. I'm not saying that you all need to be baptized, but what I'm saying is that we all have to have that experience. And uh, seek God and allow God to be God on our lives. I want to finish the sermon today with our appeal for you as brothers and sisters, as somebody that, by whom Jesus died, are you willing to start today a new walk? Are you willing to ask God to show his face to you so you can have that experience over and over again on your Christian walk? If you're willing, please raise your hand. So I want to finish with a special prayer for you. Dear Father in heaven, we are all sinful. We are all sinners. We want to do what's right. But sometimes we can't help it. However, sometimes we tend to think that we are better than others. Sometimes we think grace is one way. Sometimes the eye gets on the, on the middle. So we ask you, dear Lord, help us to see your face. Help us to feel your presence on our life on a daily basis. So we can get back to our senses and know that we depend on you in everything. We ask, dear Lord, for a new beginning, a new walk with you. We ask you for transformation. And we ask you to be uh, taken by your presence in such a way that uh, as Isaiah, we can, we shout, woe me, so we can open ourselves to your grace that can uh, purify us, erase our transgressions, erase our sins, and give us a new start so we can serve you in, wh- in whichever capacity you had called us to serve. Help us to be always connected to you through the Holy Spirit. That's what we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to the broadcast from the Midland Seventh-day Adventist Church at 2420 East Ashman in Midland, Michigan. If you are in the area, we cordially invite you to visit our church Saturday mornings. If you are a distance away, we encourage you to continue visiting our website and weekly podcast at midlandsda.org.